Hello, 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 everyone, and welcome to the Failing Forward podcast. This is your host, Nikki Loesch speaking. Yes, my voice is gone today, so we will see how this goes, but I have an incredible guest here that I cannot wait to introduce you to, Miss Barbara Majeski. You've probably seen her on TV on Good Morning America, doing her segments on all things life and luxury. She is an incredible, incredible, incredible woman that I have been following on the streets of Clubhouse for the last few months, and I heard her one day telling her story about working for a sales company and how she like made her way up into like this big consulting role. And she had all these offices and all these reps. And I'm, I'm sitting there thinking, oh my God, did we do the same thing? And I messaged her private chat and DMs. And I said, Hey, did you work for a company called so-and-so? And she's like, yeah, I did. I'll let her reveal the name if she wants to. But <laughs> this woman is a bad ass capital A-S-S, badass. She is a mother of three, a successful entrepreneur, retired from entrepreneurship, TV show host. I mean, she's done all the things, survivor of cancer. I mean, talk about failing forward in life and health and her career and entrepreneurship. Barbara, we are so happy to have you here today. Hello, and welcome to the podcast. Hi, I'm so sorry about your voice. You don't usually sound this way, but um, I'll just do more of the talking and give you <laughs> and give you as much space because um, I have many, many stories and we have so much great crossover. So thanks for having me. This is going to be a really fun interview. It's going to be a blast. So let's start at the top. You and I did the exact same thing. <laughs> a lot of our yeah. viewers already know what I used to do. I did direct marketing and sales for Home Depot, DirecTV, Solar City, Victoria Jackson, working in big retail boxes, whether I was in a Home Depot or Fry's or Costco, Sam's Club, or going door-to-door selling Victoria Jackson makeup. It was fun times, Popcornopolis, you name it. And then you did the same thing too. So tell us about your success from Failure Story, how you started that business, where it got you to, how you failed forward, and how you're mm-hmm. at where you're at today. This is so fun. So I love this story because I was getting out of, I graduated college and I really wanted to put myself in a position where I had more like financial upside. Like the harder I worked, the more money I made. I didn't really want a job. I wanted an opportunity. So there was this startup company. So this is 1997. I'm 10 years older than you are. And so this is 1997 and they're piloting this campaign to go door to door. And it's just a bunch of us in Atlanta, Georgia. And if I started name dropping, I think your head would pop off because these are all the people that you probably know. So we were test marketing to see how effective going business to business was for AT&T because telemarketing had kind of run its course. And the thought was, if we did really well for AT&T, they would ask us to expand into cities across the US. And I was like really committed. I was like, this sounds right. Everyone told me it was a scam. Everyone told me it was a pyramid scheme. Everyone told me to get a real job, get benefits, get get a salary. I was working six days a week. So I wasn't just going business to business. On the weekends, I was going door to door, literally knocking on people's houses. So I'm literally telling your story right now in some form or fashion. Now I'll get to the big box stores and all that. But so we were piloting this campaign and sure enough, AT&T loved the work that we were doing. Oh, oops, sorry about that. AT&T, oh, can you still hear me? Sorry, I like powered down for a second. Mm, we, oh, can you hear me? I can hear you perfectly, but if you have headphones, throw those in, it'll even be clearer. You know what? I don't have headphones. Can you put this on pause for one second? I just realized my thing is right. The test market is successful. They have us expand. 
it's the wild, wild west. So like Barb, not only does AT&T want us, but the gas and electric is deregulated. They want, you know, we need you to run a sales team in Baltimore. Um, at the same time, they were also doing things along the lines of um, uh, college, like stuff on college campuses. So this is actually where, so the, uh, there's so many things going on as I'm, so college campuses wanted us to do credit card promotions. We went out on the college campuses, signed kids up for credit cards. We went to Target, signed people up for credit cards. We did, and we did, we did air for, uh, I'm sorry, trade shows, air shows. We would give away like, you know, koozie mugs and sign people up for was basically signing people for credit cards. So yeah, I was like that annoying person in the mall <laughs> or not in the mall, but in the airports. I was that guy. I was like, be nice to that guy because we're hustling. We're trying to, you know, we're working on commission. So anyway, that's um, that's my story in, in that space. So now that's one of the largest outsourced direct sales company in North America. Um, you are were a part of that uh, company in some form or iteration of it or what have you. Very uh, similar. Yeah, they, very, Very similar. similar. And you know, a funny story I have to tell you. Yeah. Whenever I go into a Home Depot now and I see that rep scaling the aisles, going up and down, ask people, hey, are you a homeowner? Do you have a kitchen? <laughs> I always sit there and I let them go through their pitch with me like the whole way. And I, yeah. I, throw, I throw them the objections because I want to give them feedback afterwards. I'm like, hey, I know what you're doing. I love it. I appreciate it. Respect it. Let me give you some feedback on your pitch. Here's how to overcome this objection. Here's what I would have done differently. <laughs> Whether it's in Home Depot for kitchen cabinet refacing or in Costco for direct TV or AT&T, right? Or I have people that still go door knocking and they're talking about the new programs yeah. right now are all about helping people with financial services, helping people <laughs> with their credit score. Like it's all the same company, but I, I listen to their pitch every time because why be an asshole, right? Number one, why be oh. an asshole? And then you can show them like, I feel like when that happens and when I run into somebody, I'm like, please just always maintain a positive attitude. You're learning skills for life. And I so, and I don't know if you do as well, but I draw upon that, that those life skills more than I can, I can't reflect on anything in college. I have like nothing other than like, I took anatomy and physiology and I can tell you where your thigh bone meets your hip bone. I don't even know if that was from a song from BBS or not, but you know, the, I love that. that's hilarious. The knee bones, I don't know. I don't even know. Thigh bone and the thigh bones got him. <laughs> I think it's from channel 13, our, our public broadcast station. Um, so I officially did, not, did learn nothing in college. But I learned so much from door-to-door -door sales about attitude, work ethic, what you control, law of averages. I mean, all of it is so applicable to every, every part of life. Like, you know, learning about, you know, the, for me in that experience, I feel like the biggest takeaway is really understanding my locus of control. Like, I think that was the best thing. Like I could only control these factors. And back in the day, it was like, you control your work ethic and your attitude. But I've always been able to draw, when I was diagnosed with cancer in 2015, I quickly assessed what I had control over, which was very little. Couldn't control my diagnosis, but I could, could handle how I handled my diagnosis. And it was all about my attitude and my effort in, in going into the treatments. And you know, I knew my kids were watching. That's like part of the leadership that you learn in sales so much. I could talk about that business all day long with nothing but grace and gratitude. I just cannot. And when people badmouth it and say like, crappy things. I'm like, I just, I, I would going back. I would have done it for free for what I've been able to take forward in my life because when life has knocked me down, 
I've really had some strong muscles, you know, that really good muscle memory to pull myself up out of the fetal position. So I'll let you ask more questions because I'll talk all day long and we want to talk about, I want, I want to dive in because so much of what you said there is so powerful. And I want to make sure the audience heard number one, you're a mother of three. So, Mm -hmm. you know, managing a schedule, taking care of your kiddos while still trying not to have that mom guilt, that shame, that should I just be a mom? Should I just be there with them? But here you are being a business owner, being an entrepreneur, doing all these fantastic things, giving back. And you have such humility. I remember when I first started that company and I went home and I actually didn't go home and tell my mom what I did. Um, I was pitching in a Home Depot store in El Cajon, San Diego, (laughs) California. I know where that is. Yeah. And I'm, I'm in the paint aisle and I'm pitching a customer and I turn around and who do I see there? My cousin and my cousin sees me pitching and she's like, what are you doing? I'm like, uh, I'm, um, just helping that guy find paint because (laughs) I wasn't wearing a home Depot uniform. I was wearing normal business clothes with a home Mm -hmm. Depot badge. So I hid the badge and I didn't want them to know what I was doing because I had graduated from college. I went to UC San Diego, got the bachelor's, got the all that stuff. But I graduated in 2009 when the economy crashed. So I was laid off my first job before I even started and I had to figure it out. And I was like, you know what? My father had just passed away in February. Mm. I got this gig in October. He passed away from cancer. And uh, I, I was like, you know what? I feel comfortable in a Home Depot. I was raised in a Home Depot wearing a hard hat. So in honor of my dad, let's just do this little gig. They have a guaranteed pay, $340 a week. Woohoo, guaranteed. Um, I have an opportunity to advance. I have an opportunity to learn about sales and marketing. These seem like good skill sets to have. No one's hiring right now anyways. I wanted to work in Wall Street in New York. And Wall Street, New York was non-existent then. Decimated. Decimated. I'm going to learn the sales thing. I'm going to learn how to talk to people, build these relationships. The worst thing that's going to happen, I'll get an opportunity to get to management and make six figures a year. Cause that was the promise. That was their pitch six to 12 yeah. months, get to management. Right. And I remember everyone that I told what I was doing was like, you're crazy. You've literally lost it. Like, we're worried about you. You know, your dad passed away. You're going to be fine. Like, let, let, let me line you up with this interview and have this guy. Uh, we're going to get you a real job making 50, $60,000 a year. Cause you went to yeah. UC San Diego. You have the bachelor's, you have all the things like, don't go pitching in a home Depot for $340 a week. Mm-hmm. And no one got it. I kept telling them, I was like, but you don't understand there's an opportunity. Like now I'm an account manager. I'm hiring people. I'm building a team. Like this is so much fun. Even though I was taking 200 no's a day and being told to F off when I'm walking down aisles, like it's all good. <laughs> it was building my attitude. It was building my thick skin. Right. And, but no one believed in me. And my boyfriend at the time was like, babe, like, I think this company is a scam. I read a ripoff report about your manager and he doesn't pay people. The paychecks aren't real. No one gets to management. Like it's all fake. Mm-hmm. And I'm sitting there and I'm thinking, uh, whoa, maybe, maybe I am involved in some sort of a Ponzi scheme or an MLM or a scam or something like that. Cause there's, there's all these pyramid schemes out there, right? Come yeah. here, buy this bundle, go and get your friends and family involved and build your pyramid and you'll be Ruby level diamond level making hundreds of thousands of dollars a year. Well, this was different. We weren't pitching our friends and family and building our team with them. We were Mm -hmm. working for a legit company with a legit client, providing legit services and getting legit paid, whether it was commission or a base plus commission with an opportunity to grow. If you can learn how to hire, train, develop, manage people and oversee the client, like it's a real business, but no one else saw it that way. So at 21 years old, I'm glad that I saw what no one else saw. There's a reason why 
98% work for 2% because the 2% have the vision, the mission, and then and, and the the ability to see what the 98% can't see. We're also willing to work for the things that the 98% aren't willing to work for. I was willing to bet on myself, just like you were. I didn't need a stable nine to five. I didn't need a guaranteed paycheck. 340 was nice, but I was making six, $800 a week because I was making way more in the commissions, right? And that's what I was grinding for. But I didn't take that job for that weekly paycheck. I took it because someone told me, if I get really good at this, I'm going to get an opportunity to manage my own office, to run my own business at 21 years old. And when they told me that, they said the entry-level pay is 80 to 120 grand a year. I was like, sign me up. That's way better than 50 to 60 grand working on Wall Street at a time mm. when the market was crashed. There was no market. Yeah, there was no market. So <clears> October <throat> 2009, I start. March 2010, I open my office in LA. Fast forward three years later, regional consultant, making well into the six figures. Fast forward five years after that, 2018, I got an offer to be bought out and I had to even sign a non-compete agreement. So I'd stay out of the business because I was that good at yeah. what I did. But you have that same story. Oh yeah. Yeah, for sure. I mean, you know, it was, we got, we got in, we had, I had the vision. People thought I was nuts and, you know, I'm really grateful for it. I, I love the idea that I stuck with it when everyone quit around me and I believed in myself. I had a strong intuition. I will say that it was like, every time I wanted to quit, my intuition was like, no Babs, you ain't quitting. And I was like, no, I'm quitting. My intuition was like, no, you're not. I'm like, oh, I am. And I just, and I was really, I think the, the, the part for me that is so important to share in this is that I was surrounded by good people. The people that we were building this enterprise with that are still there today were really great people. So yeah, we looked like a bunch of clowns. We drove crappy cars. We ate saltines and salsa. We were broke as a joke, all of us, but we all had great character. We had ethics and ethos and vision, and we were really ambitious. I was with really big um, thought leaders. And so we were, we were very committed to the vision. So where other people would come in and be like, this is garbage. And this is all just, you know, pipe dreams and this and that the rest of us, the 2% were like, yeah, this does look like garbage. And there's no better time to start when you're working out of a warehouse with like a heater in the corner, you know, that looks like a mosquito killer. Like I, I think that's such a good paradigm. I have these conversations every once in a while where people see the negative and I'm like, you don't understand. Like my son right now is doing crew and this is a, a teachable moment. And he's like, mom, there's, there's, he's like complaining about the team and we're the bad news bears and we're this and that. And my son is, um, he, he's just a, a good, he's a good athlete. Okay. He's a big kid. He's an athlete and he's very strong. And I've definitely been pushing him in this direction. And the crew coach has asked him to be the captain for next year. And he's like looking at all the negatives, like, uh, 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 this team never wins. And I'm like, but here's an opportunity for you to be a leader and take this team from the bottom of the barrel to number one, this is your shot, buddy. Like, you don't want to jump into a winning team. You want to take the bad news bears to the playoffs. There's the playoffs. I mean, is that right? Is that even the right term out to the Super Bowl? I don't even know, like baseball, whatever. You're the baseball wife, not me. But yeah, <laughs> I mean, this is, I'm sorry. I'm like, I don't know, they won Super Bowls in the NHL. I don't know, okay. Anyway, <laughs> it's just a matter of like, for me, because you and I, 
similar are visionaries and we see negatives as opportunity and not as negatives we see them as like wait a second yeah this place does look like a you know a train wreck but i can transform this and be part of something so i think just the power of that and you know i know your podcast is you know about you know learning through failure. So I'll let you direct the conversation, but I have a lot of theories on that. <laughs> yeah. And I think, you know, one man's trash is another man's treasure, right? A lot mm-hmm. of people, are, they have such a big ego and people let their ego get in the way. I'm not going to take that job where they're paying me 30 grand a year. I'm worth 60 grand a year. Well, guess what? That girl or that guy that takes a job at 30 grand a year, because they see an opportunity to learn and develop their skill sets in life, work ethic, student mentality, attitude, that Mm -hmm. 30 grand is going to turn into a hundred grand within one year. Oh, and And you're going to be stuck. Even if you get that job at 60, guess what? The average raise is three to 5% a year. So Mm -hmm. 60 is going to turn to 63,000, 63,000 is going to turn to 66 and a half. And you're going to be stuck under hundred grand for the next 10 years. While that 30 grand person's at a hundred, 200, seven figures, eight figures. And they learn the skill sets to be an entrepreneur in the game of life. So let's talk about entrepreneurship, how you felt in entrepreneurship, how you exited that business, and then you got into TV. Let's go there. So I want to also, and I will talk about entrepreneurship and getting into television. And I even throw in my cancer story because that's so important. But I loved your story about, you know, being in the Home Depot and being, you you know, your cousin seeing you. I remember uh, it was like, I did my field work in Atlanta. I'm from New Jersey, but my biggest fear was somebody seeing me go door to door. And I was like, so humiliated by what I was doing. Although I understood what I was doing. I just didn't really feel like I needed to rationalize and explain like the full vision to anybody that I would run into high school. Cause everybody at that point was wearing their suits and being all jazzy. And I'm literally like in my field shoes, sweating and being a hot mess express. I couldn't be with more holes proud. in the bottom of your flat shoes, right? Oh, holes. And you're, you're oh, like, well, I, I can't I, really afford to buy new shoes because A, they're going to be ruined within two weeks anyways. Yeah. And B, who cares? And the funny thing about in our business, like when you're in the field, when you're in that entry level marketing position, how funny is it when your friends and family ask you, so Barbara, what's your new job? Tell us about it. And you have this like elaborate <laughs> pitch. I work for these amazing companies and this awesome opportunity. <laughs> and I'm people's lives, right? Yeah. Like, like you would think it was the best thing since sliced bread. And then you see us in the field knocking on door to door. Yeah. You're like, um, did you lose your that jazzy job? Where's your jazzy pants job? I'm like, this is jazzy pants. It's just the pre-jazzy pants. I think the best, I mean, first of all, that's so true of like just the way that you could kind of frame it. Um, but I couldn't be more proud now. And I say it so much. I'm like, I went door to door. Like, I'm so damn proud of it. I wish if I could go back. I would tell that girl, I would tell myself, you tell everybody you go door to door and let them laugh at you. Let them laugh at you because they are not going to be laughing in 10 years. They are literally going to be like, how the hell did you do that? Like, I just bought my third piece of real estate. You know, I have, I, I, there's not, it's not the space to talk about that, but you know, I'm financially very fine. (laughs) How's that? But it's all because And and I I know a lot of our listeners are listening right now. They might be doing a job that other people are thinking that's below you. Like you could Mm -hmm. be doing better than that. And they have friends and family and loved ones and spouses that are saying, you're working too much for for making so little. You should do something different. But Mm -hmm. if you're hearing us, we want you to know that you see something that 98% don't see. 
Yes. And, you know, read the book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, because I think that epitomizes everything that we're talking about and just put yourself in a position. You talk, you said it, being a student, be in a position where you can be a student and learn, make sure you're surrounding yourself with not like-minded individuals, right-minded individuals and people that not only talk the talk, but actually walk the walk. There's a lot of people that can be visionaries, but they're lazy and they do, they listen, watch people, watch people, what they do, not what they say. And if you know that was men, yes, actions speak louder than words. Everyone Mm -hmm. today is a life coach. We're on Clubhouse. Everyone today is a a life coach, a health coach. They got the new thing that they're trying to sell you, right? But look at the people. How are they living? What are their habits? How do Mm -hmm. they treat people? How's that conversation? How do they make you feel? Do you Mm -hmm. feel like you're being sold something? Are you like, wow, you're really pouring into me? You're trying to educate me. You're coming from a place of I know where you are right now. Let me help you. Let me pull you Mm -hmm. to where I am now. Right. And and just be be wary. Words are just words, but actions, Mm -hmm. they truly do speak louder than words. I love that. Yeah, so true. And I think that's where I was very fortunate. I was definitely surrounded by really ambitious, hardworking people. Uh, My very good friend, Brandy um, Park was, she still to this day is the hardest working woman I know. And she was very well educated, um, graduated top honors of her class scholarship. She was a Tridel University of Georgia, which is a big deal over there. I'm from Jersey. It doesn't always translate, but um, she's a big deal. And she, she could have worked anywhere. And she chose to work alongside me. And when all of a sudden you see like really smart, driven, ambitious people are like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Start doing like, yeah, this is it. This is good. I got this. I got this. And you start bringing, actually attracting these like, not only right-minded, but also like-minded, ambitious people. So um, yeah, you know, I went, so I, I did that. I helped. I was part of the expansion. I started opening up offices. We started test piling more projects, campaigns. Um, you know, I did very well. It was very exciting. I um, financially did well. Um, and I put myself in a financial position where I could just take a pause and I got married. I married a Jim Majesty and um, we started a family. So I had retired uh, just before my 30th birthday or was it 30? No, I was 30. I was 30, not before 30. I retired at 30. Actually, I retired that month, that April. That's and, amazing. Um, yeah. It, yeah. I was, uh, I was a young and had my, uh, first, and then I had, um, my second. So now I have three kids, um, fast forward. I'm a stay-at-home mom. And I do want to dive into that a little bit. Um, you know, I think so many of us are, so we have FOMO fear of missing out that if we take our foot off the gas pedal to shift gears and rewrite you know, rewrite our story and leave the career because I want to be a, you know, I want to focus on being a mom. You have the FOMO is huge and it's real. I think I need to do a a whole podcast person needs to do FOMO podcast, just FOMO podcast, but then reframe it. And I will be happy to be on that podcast. Whoever's going to start that. I'm I'm starting it. I'm writing it down right now. Yeah. Okay. FOMO podcast. Um, I will tell you, I was like, oh my God, I'm, I was very disoriented when I first decided to leave my career and be a stay-at-home mom. I was like, I didn't see this coming. And um, the worst part is other women that, that I think women do such a disservice to other women. And I want to share this because it's a, it's a major no-no. And I think we need to change, be part of the change. Uh, people would say to me, well, what, what do you do all day? Like, I literally was like, what? Oh, but you have, oh, but you have, 
what do you mean I have? Like, what do you mean? I'm just doing my best, living my best life. And you're making me feel bad about living my best life because what I think living my best life is, is not what you think living your best life is. So you are choosing to put me down in a passive aggressive way by saying, oh yeah, but yeah, stop. We're going to stop that. And we're going to just fix each other's crowns and we're going to no longer be judgy pants. And I will tell you, I was Miss Judgy Pants and I'll tell you the transformation happened in 2015 where I lost my ability to be Miss Judgy Pants. And I think it's really, really important. So if I like, I'll be all over the place, uh, but I was a stay-at-home mom. There's two points I want to make. And then I'm going to talk about Judgy Pants and uh, 2015 Judgy Pants. Um, I want to first talk about taking, you know, shifting gears. If you want to be a stay-at-home mom or you want to be a stay-at-home dad, or you just want to take uh, an internship for a year, you want to go on sabbatical, you want to take a gap year, you're in college and you're just not feeling, you need to stop what every, what is right for you is right for you. It is not meant to be right. You have a different path. You are not, you are an original. So stop trying to be a copy. And I took a pause and I became a 100% full-fledged stay-at-home mom. I was very disoriented initially, but I found my sea legs and I got into it. I really got into it the way Barbara Majeski gets into things, you know, signed up for everything, did the mommy and me classes and whatever, hosted mommy groups and mommy play dates. And I was in mommy palooza, like nobody's business. I'm all in. I'm kind of an all in kind of girl. So it's sure- interesting, Barbara, because I'm on this like, I'm at this turning point right now where I'm trying to make a decision. Do I go that direction? And then there's this FOMO where I'm like, wow, I've built this business. I have a Pilates business that's on a wait list. And I'm so scared to tell my clients I might take some time off for a while. And I don't know how long that's going to be because I want to just enjoy these last couple of years before my son goes to school. And there's so much guilt there. And I'm like, I feel like I'm missing out. That's why when you said FOMO, fear of missing out, that's me. I'm so scared to like push pause because I feel like, will I be able to do it again later? Am I going to lose my business? I have to start all over. Like it's such a big fear for me. So hearing you tell me that you were there, you went through it. And I know like I've taken a week off at a time before and it was miserable. I was like, this mom thing's hard. Like I can't, what? Just changing diapers all day is doing goo goo gaga. Like this is really, really hard. Mm -hmm. So my hat's off to full-time moms. My hat's off to stay-at-home moms because it's the hardest and most underappreciated, undervalued, disrespected job out there. And it's I've been guilty of being that mom. I've been guilty oh. of being that mom where I tell my like, stay-at-home moms and I'm like, oh, so what do you do all day? Like, Well, how about what? this? When, when we say this, and listen, these are words that have come out of this sassy pants mouth that I'm horrified that I did. And I really do want to be part of the change, but I'm going to throw myself under the bus. Oh, but she has help. Oh, but she has help. Wow. What are you saying? You're, you're, and you're discrediting like, the mother. But what you're really doing is actually the way you speak about others says more about you than it does of the person that you're speaking of. And you Mic have drop. to- Boom. Right? Take, take, take to say that again. What yes. you say about others- reflects more on you than it does them. 100%. And when you hear yourself saying, oh, but she has help, you're judging- you are standing on sanctimonious ceremony, if that's even a word or a phrase, but you are I like putting it. somebody else down to elevate yourself. And that is not how you elevate yourself by putting you, all ships rise in high tide. So I think by what you just said, by you being transparent and, um, you know, fully 
authentic by saying, I have FOMO and I'm scared to do this, but I feel compelled to do that. When you share that and you say, I just don't know what is right. You are speaking from the heart of not just yourself, but you're speaking for so many others of like, I am not, it's like, you're wearing a wool sweater in the summer and you're like, something is not comfortable right now, but I'm scared to miss out. And I'm scared of this. I am here to tell you one thing only of that. When you take pause in one and you make space when you make space in your life because you need to take a pause, you are opening up opportunities for new things to move in. Unless you take those pauses and have those breaks, you don't have, you cannot make room for anything else. You cannot, there's not, we only, all of us have 24 hours in a day. And we cannot do all things. Nobody, because they've got 76 kids, gets all of a sudden, oh, well, you get a bonus hour today because you decided, you, you, we all still get the same amount of time. So anybody tells you that you can manage it all, I'm going to tell you they're, I don't know, I can't manage it all. Um, and I have help. And now, but anyway, there's so many things in there. And I do want to get to Judgy Pants um, because I think it's so important because she was a real asshole and that was me. So, but I, so, um, yeah, so that's kind of just what I wanted to share is I took pause, I became a stay-at-home mom, I had three children, and I have I look back and I have I have great friends. I feel that I didn't miss out on anything. I was able to intercept a very scary health diagnosis that people were overlooking in my middle child. And because I was so locked in to my children, because that's what I did. I was able to really dodge a major bullet. And I, you know, that's not for this dynamic, this conversation today, but, um, you know, I was all in and I, I am very grateful for that time. Now, when I decided to jump back into the work world, you know, where you're meeting me now, I'm a better, I am a better, I am so much better of a human being. And this next chapter that I'm leading, and I think the reason why I've been successful even on Clubhouse is my voice and my my ness, the Babsness, the Barberness is so much better because I took pause. I stepped out of a game, but when I'm coming back into the game, and I, I, I feel this and it, it can come off arrogant. I don't care. I am miles ahead. I'm like miles ahead because I just think my bandwidth has been expanded in this human experience of like, yeah, I can speak to any, I can speak to so many things. So I just feel like, I feel, this is how I feel. I don't, God, I don't even know if I articulate it the way I want to. I feel that I can pull out a chair at any damn table, any damn table. I'm sitting down with you. Nobody intimidates this girl. Nobody. No well, celebs. you've, you've found your confidence. You found your voice, but moreover, you've made yourself multifaceted, not just single facet. You're not just good at being an entrepreneur. You're not just good at being a mom, yeah. mom entrepreneur. You're not just good at being a stay at home mom. Like you've, you've learned it all. So you can literally read and relate and connect and converse yeah. with anyone. But you know what it also is? It's like, I, I have confidence, but I also have the confidence to say, I don't know how to do that. I don't know how to do that, but I can learn how to do it. And I can that's always humility. Say, because you humbled yourself, yeah, right? I, I feel like I'm sometimes still in a place of arrogance and I'm not gonna say I feel, I know. I know mm -hmm. I sometimes, I'm, I know I'm operating from a place of arrogance where I'm like, I know what I'm doing. I'm the best thing since sliced bread. And I still need to learn at 33 years old how to be more humble, how to have more humility, 
right? Because yes, I can read and relate with everyone. I'm not saying that I'm disrespectful towards people or I put people down. I don't. I'm all about helping people, pouring into people. But my attitude is a little bit off. My perspective is a little bit off. And I just need to like teach myself that don't forget where you started. Don't forget where you came from. Mm-hmm. You're, you're, don't be sassy pants. <laughs> right. Don't be sassy pants. I, you know, I think there's so much like, I, I think being able to say, I don't know how to do that. Like, I'm just not an expert there. And you know what? I haven't been in the game. Like I sit here on these zoom calls or these calendar links and all these things. And is it because I've been out of the game? Yeah. You know what? I might be, but there's nothing I can't ask. And I'm just, I I feel confident enough to sit at a table and be like, I'm just not that. I just don't know how to do that. I don't understand that. Who can teach me? Who can I bring in? Who's going to, and people are so willing to help each other because people do like to come from a point of expertise. Um, we all want to show up to that table with like something to offer, but we also have to show up to that table with something to um, for, for other people to offer to us. I don't show up at any table with this like sanctimonious, I'm an expert. I've been, I, I'm like the queen. I'm like, I'm, I'm a queen in this lane and this lane only. And then the rest, I don't know shit about shit. So I do, I think I show up with like this um it's almost like a slingshot like I was pulled back almost to be rocket launched into this strategy and I do I have this thing where I'm like I'll go into any room on clubhouse I'll go I'll show up anywhere and I'm very I'm humble yet confident you know I'm like all right and I wait for my turn to talk and I just I think I'm just I I'm so grateful for all the people that have so much to pour into me and when I feel like I have something to add I can so I guess I just share that story because I'm like, listen, you want to take pause in your career and step into this other lane and just test it out. Don't try to be someone else. What's right for you is right for you. And you can jump back in. You can jump back in without being like, oh, what are they going to think? Um, let's talk about the, my cancer. Cause now the, the, um, I, I want to say, let's, I want to talk about your cancer. And also, so you were turning 30 before your 30th birthday, you retired, you, you led this mm-hmm. very successful career as an entrepreneur, making six, seven figures doing incredible. You actually have part ownership in the company now, which is incredible. And then you retired at 30, you started your family. How long were you a stay at home mom? What happened with the cancer? And then how'd you get back into the workforce and get into TV? Yeah. So I was a stay at home mom, uh, from 2004 until, um, 2015. So I was 11 years as a stay-at-home mom. Now during that time, I launched a philanthropy initiative. Um, I got a humanitarian award from Operation Smile. So I did find my lane in being a a full-time stay-at-home mom. I found ways to keep my, you know, because I'm a curious person and I'm a motivated, I want to be part of something. So I did find my space. I launched a, um, I did a Holocaust survivor event in my community. Um, I was very involved. And in the middle of it, I, I, I had three kids. So, (laughs) um, I did lose a pregnancy in there so I can talk, you know, I know um, people struggle with that. I did lose one between the the two boys and my daughter. So I would love to talk about that too, failing forward and fertility. Cause I know there's so many women, myself included that have dealt with Mm -hmm. miscarriages and it's It's common. It's one out of three pregnancies ends in a miscarriage, one out of three. Mm -hmm. And you're not alone. Nobody's alone in it. And it's tough and it's disappointing. And it's Filled, I like it's I've been so I went through that I had an ectopic pregnancy that I almost didn't make because they couldn't remove it it was a hot a hot mess express that's just me 
but you know, that was, it's part of my journey. And then I did get pregnant again with my daughter. Um, and then in 2015, the summer of 2015, which is a great, started out as a great year. 2015 started out so hot. I came in hot. Like 2015, I was like, I, I, I had uh, hosted a humanitarian, uh, no, I'm sorry. I had um, hosted the Holocaust survivor event in Princeton and you could have heard a pin drop. Even the husbands came up to me afterwards. And it's like, I hate getting schlepped to all these things. And this, I will never forget. It was such a moment. I can't even, I can't even, I will never be able to, I, and it's not on tape. There's no, there's like very little, whatever. And that was January of 2015. Then May of 2015, I received a humanitarian award from Operation Smile for some fundraising I had done um, in alongside uh, Johnson Johnson. And then July 2015, my marriage ended. Boom, shakalaka, boom. Um, and it sounded a lot like that. And uh, in November of 2015, I was diagnosed with stage three cancer. So um, I think just being confronted with my marriage falling apart and then being diagnosed with cancer, I no longer had the bandwidth to be phony. Um, I always say prior to 2015, I was white knuckling my life. Like I was, you know, checking all the boxes and doing all the right things and contorting myself to be this person that I thought my husband at the time wanted me to be. Um, but I was also extremely judgmental. And I used to say, well, if that happened to me, I would do like judgy pants and then some, oh, but she has help. Like I would say that and I had help. Like, well, I don't even understand my own narrative. Like I could hear myself saying, oh, but she had, a, but I had help. And I was just part of that like toxic, toxic bullshit that I now, I own it. I was just, but when I, my marriage fell apart and it broke my heart, I, I did marry, I married the man of my dreams. I, the, I was not his, I wasn't the person he wanted. I don't know. I don't know. I'm pretty F amazing, but I just wasn't this person. So that was really heartbreaking for me. I had three kids and I was like, well, this isn't what I signed up for. And then when I got a stage three cancer diagnosis, my kids were 12, 10 and four. I was like, I just had nothing in my tank. I had, my heart was broken. My, I was, you know, dealing with this cancer and I just was, I was unhinged and there was just nobody to be but me. And, you know, all these things that happened to me kind of gave me pause to be like, well, who was I to ever judge somebody that was going through a divorce or choosing separation or whose marriage had imploded due to certain things. And I just became, I just became my, I, like very raw. And I think it's, I always say it's only in the darkness that you can see the stars. And I just, I, be, I was very humbled by my experiences. Uh, it's like, I thought by being, checking all these boxes, I was immune from uh, getting sick. I was immune from tragedy. I was immune from my divorce failing. I was being the perfect wife. Like I was checking all the boxes. Like of course I had my marriage ended. Um, but when all of that was peeled away, I just emerged uh, like such a, I, I just, I just cannot stand in that same space anymore. Um, you know, you don't know how you're going to handle anything until it's dished out onto you. You know, I used to be like, if that happens to me, this is how I'm handling it. And all of a sudden it happened to me. I was like, well, I can't handle it that way because I have three kids. I don't get to just walk out on a marriage. I don't just pick my kids in some dramatic scarring way and pack the bags and go live in, you know, the St. Regis or something. I had three children. I was like, oh, I don't, I don't actually get to do what I said I would do if that happened to me. Um, and because of it, I'm honestly as sad as that is. I'm like, I'm a better person for it because I just, I just don't judge. 
I just abandoned. You do you. You want to take a year off? Fine. You want to serve ice cream for life? I don't care. Like, no judgment. So I just think coming to a place of, um, we have to, I, like, in the seven spiritual laws of success by Deepak Chopra, one of his laws is don't judge. And I, I really want to, like, call him and be like, I don't think that's going to work. And I used to struggle with it because the truth is we have to judge. It's human nature. It keeps us out of it, it keeps us from walking across a street into a moving car. Like you have to judge. Like judgment is how we navigate the world and stay safe. But I think we can um, evaluate with compassion. I think we can assume people are going through something and, you know, go from, you know, move from that space. It's not normal to not practice, you know, don't judge. I judge. But anyway, that's my, that, those are my thoughts on that. We can talk about my breakthrough in cancer and fixed my hair. Okay. Our society is lacking empathy. Mm -hmm. Our society is lacking empathy. Yes. You, you can be judgmental. You're entitled to your opinion. You're entitled to your perspective, but do you have the ability to put yourself in someone else's shoes and to see the world through their eyes, to mm -hmm. feel through them? You never know what someone's going through. So that, that girl that you saw that was running into Starbucks and grabbed her coffee and spilled it all over herself and made a whole mess and the baby's crying and all the stuff's going on. You're sitting there judging her saying she's a horrible mom. She's causing a scene. She looks like a hot mess. You have no idea what happened to get her to that point. You don't know what the morning looked like for her. You don't know that maybe her help, her nanny got into a car accident on the way. So she had to do all these other things that she wasn't planning on doing, getting her baby mm -hmm. ready, change a diaper, get him clothed while getting herself ready. That was 15, 20 minutes that she wasn't planning for. She had to get herself to the doctor's appointment. So now she's rushing to get her coffee and the baby's throwing a tantrum because he's a toddler. Like you don't know what she's going through. So your snippet, your judgment, if you can come from a place of empathy and start to feel what people are feeling and just be kind, mm -hmm. kindness, mm -hmm. have more mm -hmm. kindness, have more compassion, understand mm -hmm. that the snippet that you're seeing may not be the whole picture. It's just the worst part of the picture. Never is. Judging that person based it on that snippet. Is. Yeah, it, it never is. You just, there's so much more to that iceberg. You just, you're not, you don't see it. None of us see anything, you know? And I think you just made a really good point that we do, we lack empathy, our society overall. And I, you know, I'm in media now and I'm going to blame the media a little bit. I think it's just become very hostile, very intolerant. And I think the messaging that we get is that we can stand on sanctimonious judgment, what they like, get, especially in politics and the way that we are viewing even healthcare, the way people view that there's two main problems that I think in our society right now in that lane of we have no respect for other people's political views. We call people names when they don't agree with us and we shut it down by name calling and you know all of that and then labeling why why do we have to label people it, and it's hostile like people choosing not to to vaccinate and the people that choose to vaccinate the the polarity there is toxic it is toxic the people that choose to vaccinate that is your health choice the people that choose to not vaccinate that is your health choice Health just like choices. a mother that chooses to breastfeed or not breastfeed. Yeah. Just oh, like, the judgment you know what I mean? Ubiquitous. It's too much. And I think we all, the, where change starts is with ourselves, is within ourselves. We have to stop it. And any there's people listening right now that think, you know, you are name calling in a space that you don't belong in. 
people that are choosing not to vaccinate are maybe choosing that because of circumstances that have happened to them. You don't know that. And any health choice that comes with the risk of injury or death should be up to that person that wants to choose it. But those people that are threatening and maligning and you're, no, you protect your immune system and I'll protect my immune system. You do, you guys, everybody does their own thing. You don't want to vaccinate. You're taking the risk. You do want to vaccinate. Guess what? You're taking a risk too. Everybody's taking a risk. You do you, but get off everybody else's jock about their choices. Who do you think you are? You think, you know, anything? We don't know shit about shit on this virus. We don't know shit on shit. We don't know. Johnson Johnson just pulled their vaccine. So please don't tell me this. Don't tell me that. I mean, you made an amazing point. I have a Pilates client who came and she's hundred percent pro vaccine. She's like, I'm going to do it. The second I'm my age group is allowed. I'm going to go, but her husband cannot get vaccinated because he, he had Guillain-Barre. He almost lost his battle to it. Like there's people that are going through health concerns that even if they wanted to get vaccinated, they can't. So mm-hmm. by you asking someone the question, which is none of your business, yeah, did you get vaccinated? Are you going to get vaccinated? Why aren't you going to get vaccinated? You don't mm-hmm. know why that person yeah. made that decision. So stay in your lane. You do you be the best human that you can yeah. be. Be kind, have empathy, and just fail forward and, in the game of life. Protect, just fail forward. And protect yourself. Do your protecting. What do you do? Just protect yourself. Put on your, whatever you need to do. Just get off everybody else's. I have like, I keep my opinion, you know, I'm just taking it all in, but I respect those who vaccinate and I respect people that choose not to vaccinate. I choose and I have no, I don't judge anybody. You get to protect your health and it doesn't affect public health. I'm sorry. I don't agree with that one. Like, oh, you're protecting the elders. How is, what, what? So I don't, I don't agree with it at all. When did you get into TV and what are you seeing on that side when you're talking about failing forward and what media is doing to shift the perspective? There's a lot of fear campaigning, right? Because fear mm-hmm. is going to cause control and then control is going to, yes. I mean, there's, there's a lot of, there's a lot of initiative behind what's happened the last 18 months for sure. And that could be a podcast episode for a totally different day. But mm-hmm. when did you get into TV and what are you seeing on the other side and talk to us about how you failed forward there? Yeah. So when I was in my treatment, so it was, uh, I had to do surgery and then six months of chemo and you do 12 rounds and about round seven, I was bumping up to round eight. What happens when you do the chemo, you get your infusion and then you build back up and then you have your next infusion and then you build back up. And then, you know, like you knock down, get back up, knock down, get back up. And then all of a sudden I was bumping up against my next infusion. And I was like, uh, 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 uh. And I'd already played all my crying cards to the oncologist. So I had run out of like shenanigans of like, I can't, he wouldn't let me out of it. And I was like, I don't think cancer is going to take me. I think the chemo is going to take me. I I just, I don't have the chops for this. And it kind of reflected on my life and realized I'm like, oh my God, how am I going to be remembered? And so on and so forth. And in this really dark moment of like, I can't believe this is where my story ends. You know, I made a vow to the universe. I'm like, if you give me another shot, you get me off this bathroom floor, get me out of these treatments, get me the other side of cancer, I'll no longer play small. And it was in that space that I really did say, I will no longer let the voices of fear and doubt dictate how I'm going to navigate this life. I will play big. And I said something very, very important. I will never allow the weight of other people's opinions dictate how I navigate my life. 
I will no longer let the weight of other people's opinions affect the decisions that I make. And that was transformative for me. I wanted people to like me, respect me, you know, want to be friends with me. And that is just an, an, a statistical impossibility. Not everybody's going to like you. Not everybody's going to agree with you. People aren't going to even agree what I have to say on this, this podcast about tolerance of views. People are be like, no, you have to be, you have to do this or you have to believe that. People, don't, people won't even agree with my, with, you know, please be tolerant of people's choices. No, 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 they can't. They have, people are literally not going to agree with me and they're not going to like me. And you should like me because I'm really fabulous. But abandoning that and throwing it out really did. So that led me to media. Like I, you know, I got to the other side of cancer and I was like, all right, Babs, you said you were going to go big. And what does that mean? And to me, it was like, you know, you, I always wanted to be on television and I always thought, you know what? I just, I'm not smart enough. I'm not tall enough. I'm not pretty enough. I'm not, I'm too old. I'm too, uh, you name it. I could come up with 77,000 excuses. But when you make a vow to the universe, like I'm no longer going to let the negative voices and I'm no longer going to let what other people think. Like you're made a vow. Like you, I'm a woman of my word. I'm like, all right, well, Babs, you're going to, you said you're going to go big. What's that mean? So I uh, hired a media trainer. I decided I always wanted to be on TV, found this woman off the Instagram and called her. I was like, Hey, I'd like to be on TV. Would you train me? She's like, long story short, I found the right woman. She trained me. And uh, my first booking was on the Today Show. I mean, I know that's like, I don't even know how to like tell that story. Cause I'm like, yeah, that's what I'm That is incredible. So wait, yeah. let me get the timeline, right? Yeah. May 2015, you got a humanitarian award for Operation mm-hmm. Smile. Yeah. <laughs> July 2015, you ended your marriage. November 2015, you were diagnosed with stage three cancer. Six months of chemo. 2016, fast forward, you're on the Today Show. 20, so I know. What? <laughs> I think it was 2017, 2016. I got to look back. I don't even know what year it is today. That's but yes, crazy. Because um, 2016 was a recovery year. Now I was in chemo in 2016. So I was diagnosed in November, but I had to have six months of chemo that started in January, ended in June. And then, so 2017, 2018 was like, all right, Babs, let's pull it together. What do you want to do? I want to go on the Today Show. And the rest is kind of history. I, I really just wanted to be on TV. I happened to meet a woman, Amy Rosenblum, who was like, I'm going, she's like, I was, she was in television for a hundred years. I live outside in New York. So I, the power of proximity, I was like, all right. And she liked me. Um, she liked my story, she liked my energy. And she's like, I will train you and I'll put you on the Today Show. And I was like, and I will learn and I will go on the Today Show. So and I took all those things I learned in the field of sales about being a student and, you know, maintaining a positive attitude and all these things. Because I will say on that, like to make everything full circle, I will say like at the end of that um, little, my first little segment with Jenna Bush and um, Chanel, she was, uh, Chanel was getting her, you know, cutting her teeth on the third or fourth hour of the Today Show or weekend, was it a weekend? I don't remember. Anyway, um, one of the producers was kind of got on my case and she was like, you said hydration station. And I was like, well, I thought that was kind of witty. Wait, what's wrong with that? I tell my clients that every single day. I'm like, all right, you made it to your first hydration station. What's wrong with that? I don't know. I still on this day actually dropped that story because, you know, I remember I'm in my forties. I've, I've lived a few seasons at this point and I have a producer busting my, busting my hump 
about my hydration station, which I thought was kind of cute, but I was, she wanted me to say, I guess this is water and lemonade. I don't know. I don't know. But remember, I had to just like take it on the chin and be like, okay, yeah, I'll never say that again. Who says hydration station? What was I thinking? I'm such a fool. Um, but it's a matter of like, all right, maintain a positive attitude, Barbara. And yeah keep showing up and listen that's the field of sales like fail forward yeah no 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 means next and I like in talking about that word failure like I you know for me it's like it's only a failure if you don't learn anything you know that's only that's the only time you fail you fail be you know my marriage was not a failure my my marriage did not fail and I refuse to call it a failure I have three amazing children I am in love with my kids I am obsessed with them uh to say that my marriage is a failure actually is like an assault to my, on my, me as a mother, my marriage was um, successful until it was over. And it just, it ended. It was not by, it wasn't my choice, you know, it was whatever. Um, But it was not a failure. It was, it was good while it lasted. We took it as far as we could. Um, I'm very happily divorced now. I'm very happy. Um, and I hope to get married again. I just, I think it was, I don't identify with a failed marriage. Like if anybody, I just don't. I, I really so don't. Much. And I'm sure there's so many women that are listening right now that are going through heartbreak, that are going through a turning point in their lives mm-hmm. where they're not sure, do I move forward? Do I, you know, I'm at a fork in the road. Do I go right? Do I go left? So how did you, and this is before you even had your cancer diagnosis, how did you cope with that I mean you married the love of your life your knight in shining mm-hmm. armor and then one day it's almost like the rug got pulled out from under you how did you fell forward there you know I will say when I when I realized the marriage was over I heard myself cry a guttural cry that I have never heard in my life like I had never heard myself cry at that level can you hear the blender in the background no, you're good. Okay. Um, so yeah, my kids are homeschooled like everybody else. Um, it was, I've never heard myself cry at that level. And I still to this day, it's like a haunting thing. Both my ex and I talk about it. We're like, I literally think a part of me realized that there was a, there was a death in that moment. Um, and really taking stock of what my next what my life was about ready to look like. Um, I had the wind knocked out of me. I had the rug pulled out from underneath me. And so many of us can identify that. That's like not, um, it's not like unique that I had the wind knocked out of me and I had the rug pulled out. It's just, it's part of the human experience to completely be blindsided from some sort of circumstance. Um, it took me a long time to recalibrate. Um, and it's still, it's, it, there's PTSD in there. It's post-traumatic of like, I just don't understand. Like I, some part of me is like, I don't understand what really happened. Um, but you know, I have recalibrated at this point and I'm a delusional optimist. I believe the best that's had. And I, I, I know I, I shouldn't even use that word delusional because I really do believe that my best is ahead of me. Like I really, really do believe that my next, the next chapters, I know I'm going to get married again. I know I'm going to fall in love. I know I'm going to like have a new last name and a whole new experience. I think it's going to be 
so amazing. It's gonna be magical. I am going to have a magical second act. And I just believe in that. And I, I do, I think I have this amazing wedding. I'm gonna marry this amazing man. I'm gonna have this amazing life. And it's gonna be filled with all the bullshit that marriages are filled with. But I know there's just gonna be this amazing love that I didn't have in my first marriage. Like this reciprocated kind of like, admiration you know I loved him and I was very I like literally was I called my parents I was like I married the I married the man of my dreams I wasn't the woman of his dreams and I think I would like to my next chap my next one is like can I be the can am I the woman am I the girl because yeah. I'd really like to be that girl um so yeah it's uh it is reframing and um yeah listen take a knee I took a knee I was it was hard um but I'm a you know, um, the next, the best is, is yet ahead. And it wasn't a failure. It wasn't, it just, I can't, people need to take that out. And the one quote that I'll share is just because it wasn't permanent, doesn't mean it wasn't successful. Let me say that again. A relationship doesn't have to be permanent to be successful. I learned so much from my ex-husband. I learned so much. I, he made me a better person until it didn't serve us anymore, but he did in so many ways. I am a better person. I've learned so much. I'm smarter with real estate. We did some amazing transactions and um, it, we have these three amazing kids to call my marriage unsuccessful is just such an assault to all the beauty that was created and all the amazing things that we did. It just wasn't permanent. And that is the big difference. A relationship doesn't have to be permanent to be successful. My marriage was successful. It just and obviously ended. you went into the marriage, not with the idea or the notion of divorce. It wasn't even your decision. As you said, you said it was his decision. He was your knight in shining armor, but mm-hmm. somewhere, you know, you realize, and you, you said, I, I wasn't, I wasn't the perfect for him as a woman that that's hard. Like that hurts, that hurts our self-esteem, that hurts our confidence. I know a lot of women, a lot of my friends that are in their forties, going into their fifties that were in a similar situation and they still haven't bounced back. They're still struggling mm-hmm. with these feelings of, I can't ever trust a man again. I can't ever love again because mm-hmm. I could be left. They, they, they have a fear of abandonment. Yeah. Oh, I, I totally, I mean, I was essentially, you know, I was essentially left and, um, it is a choice. That's what it comes down to. It's not, it's a decision of, I can choose to be distrustful or I can choose to be trustful. I'm a trustworthy woman. I am a honest, hardworking since, and I am choosing to trust again. Could somebody leave me again? And could this happen again? But again, I would rather fail and trying. I'd really rather fail trying. I really do. I see myself married again. Would I, I think I'm smarter and wiser and more in tune with my intuition. And so I think, you know, we have choices and these are not easy. It is not easy to trust again. It is not easy. It is a a constant process. I, I even dropped the PS, you know, uh, post-traumatic stress disorder. Like there's some PS, you know, I, I have that. Cause I'm like, I do go on dates sometime and I'm like, oh my God, how's he going to break my heart? And I'll hear myself say that. I'm like, okay, well, but it is navigating these, it, you cannot escape it of like the fear of being hurt at that, you know, guttural level again. But there's also that like, no, I really, I, you know, my moniker on television is I'm the curator of the good life. I really believe in living a great life, a great life. Um, and that takes that 
requires making very difficult decisions sometimes. Yeah, you, I'll never trust again. I'll never love again. I'll, those are all choices. I will trust someone again. I will fall in love again. And I will live a magical, amazing life. I will do that. Those things. And that's how I plan to think. And I believe in, I will attract that. And, you know, I, I, I think I vibrate that 100%. way. I'm like, come on, like, this will be a good life. Okay. It's a little fucked up sometimes. It's a little disaster sometimes. And it is like, I get humbled over and over and over again. Like I do, I have like haters sometimes and I'm like, well, I'm amazing. But again, I just have these, I, I don't know. So I, I really feel for women and I am in there, the trenches with them, re, rebuilding self-esteem and trust. Um, and they're all just little, they're micro steps in rebuilding those you know, those pathways again, micro steps, whether it's, if your self-esteem, how can you make yourself feel better? What do you do every day? Do you wake up and just immediately have a cup of coffee or do you wake up and have hot water with lemon so that you can cleanse your system and start fresh? Like you can make these little micro movements every single day to build your self-esteem, to take your control back, to take your power back and to build that self-esteem. These are all little choices. Maybe it's walking while listening to a podcast so that you can build your health back you get those endorphins going you know like you get those endorphins going endorphins is like a drug like choose the drug of endorphins are free so um yeah i mean i totally i really am in the trenches with other women that have had their heart broken and uh question love again and question like happiness and fulfillment in a relationship again i'm right there with them but i'm choosing to believe in magic it's my choice I love that. And it, it is all a choice. Our mindset is a choice. I can wake up this morning and look outside and say, today is going to be an incredible day because the sun is shining. I woke up, I'm breathing, like maybe slept through the night, or I could wake up and say, it's 95 degrees in Scottsdale, Arizona. It's getting really hot. <laughs> the baby's super snotty. I need to take him to the doctor today. I mean, it's all about your perception. It's all about what you're focusing your attention on, where your energy goes, your focus goes, and you're feeding either positive vibes or negative vibes. And you're, yeah. you're dictating your frequency, right? So you think of it like a radio station, whatever frequency you tune into is what you're going to mm -hmm. be listening to. That's the channel yeah. that you chose to be on right? So in your mm -hmm. life, what frequency are you vibrating at? Is it a high frequency or is it a low frequency? Yeah. Is it excited and passionate mm -hmm. and filled with love and belief. Cause you, I heard you manifesting love. I manifest a beautiful wedding. I manifest meaning the love of my life. I manifest mm -hmm. this next chapter of my life being better than my previous chapters. And the beauty is the Barbara now in her forties is totally different and way more experienced and has so much mm. more discernment than the Barbara at 29 when you first got married. Oh, so, so much better. I like, I'm just, I no longer, those voices, those negative, you're not worthy. You're not good. You're lucky to you landed him and all those like, <clears throat> like these really crappy, useless voices because I went through cancer and because my marriage ended, I learned how to swipe left on those. If, you know, yes. we have to, in this same context that you just tapped in that I want to dive into is choose your words. You know, you hear women say, I will never, I'll never trust again. You are putting it out into your thoughts and somebody, and your thoughts and your words dictate your actions. Like your body language is reflective of your voice, your intonation, your thoughts. Be careful what you are putting out there. We may have moments of like, and I do, I get discouraged and I can, but I am very quick to kind of recalibrate. So don't think I live in some sort of, you know, unicorn rainbow land, you know, where Lucky Charms guy is floating around here in his leprechaun suit. I legitimately have those moments like, God, I am like really single right now. Maybe, I don't know. And is this going to happen for me? It's not, but it is just 
I stay more in like the 80% positivity um, and it's an important space to stay, but we choose those. Be careful what you, you put out there. Like your brain isn't, your, your, you tell your, your brain isn't that capable of like, it just moves in the direction you tell it to. So yeah. And I do, I keep showing up for dates and I haven't found him yet, or at least I don't think I have. I don't know. Maybe, maybe one of these men. <laughs> I don't know. Stay, just, stand it's by. law of averages. It's law of averages. Oh my God. Some will, some won't. So what next? Knock on the next door. That's what I keep saying. I literally say this. Like, Barbie, you got to keep yourself out there. You got to keep going. You, you don't give up, maintain a positive attitude. Oh my God. Somebody just texted me yesterday. I forgot to text him back. Okay. So I got to like text that guy there back. Go. Now that we're saying that, but um, get the rehash. Yeah. Rehash, double your cash. <laughs> <laughs> We're going back to the sales, you guys. So if you're like, Sorry, what no, are these two we, girls doing right now? This is our sales marketing back. We've left the grid. We've left the grid. Back back into the podcast. Back in, back here. But all right. So let's talk about the podcast because you said something that I have to amplify. Our mentality, our thoughts, our words are so powerful because whatever mm-hmm. you're saying, you're speaking into existence. Whether you believe you can or you believe you cannot, you are absolutely right. So when you say, I will find love again, you're right. You will because you believe it. Mm-hmm. And in the middle of that word, belief is the word lie. Mm-hmm. So don't let your lies get in the way of your beliefs. If you lie to yourself and say, I will never find love, um, Prince Charming doesn't exist. All the good ones are already taken. They're already married. You're lying to yourself. Mm-hmm. You're affecting your belief system. And whether you believe you can or you believe you cannot, you are absolutely right. Our mm-hmm. brain, the human brain, and I've, I just did an interview with a neuroscientist, so I learned a lot about this. When we say things, we're actually reprogramming the neural pathways of our brain. So there's two, there's multiple ways to get from point A to point B. If you guys are driving from home to school, you can go the straight route, the detour route, the Starbucks route, the no traffic route, the lots of traffic route. You know, there's multiple ways to get to school. Well, it's the same way in our mind. We can get to the same place with different thoughts. And the difference is the thoughts that you have and the words that you use, are they going to get you to that place with the most positive experience? Well, you need to have positive words, put out positive mm-hmm. vibration to have a positive journey to that destination. It all starts with your words and the words that you're using ladies, because I, I see you looking in the mirror saying, I got that pimple again, or oh, my nose is crooked. I, I got, I got punched in the face. I used to be a boxer and I got a boxer's break. So I have a little deviated septum up here that I never got fixed. And that's why I have a hard time breathing. And when I get these sinus infections they are really, really bad, I should probably just go and get the surgery already. I meant to do that in 2015. (laughs) (laughs) But the the funny thing is I know women are looking in the mirror and they're judging themselves. Oh, my nose is off. My hair is off. I have all these grays. Oh my gosh. Look, look at these wrinkles. Look at my rolls. And your body's listening. Your body Mm -hmm. is listening to every word that you're saying. And you're putting these little negative programs into your cells and your cells, the negative cells, they start to multiply and amplify. Yeah. So mm-hmm. when I look in the mirror, I, I look at myself and I don't focus on the gray hair. I don't fo- for, sort of focus on the crooked nose. I focus on, oh my God, your eyes are kick-ass girlfriend and your eyelashes are to die for and your lips are awesome and they're real. And I didn't need to get any plastic surgery done for any <laughs> of that. Like I am 100% real, badass. And, and I, I pump myself up. Like I am my best fan. I am my number one cheerleader. You have to be that way for yourself, guys. Don't keep tearing yourself down. Don't keep looking in the mirror and figuring out what's wrong with you physically, what's wrong with you mentally, because your body is keeping the score. You're holding an intention in your muscles. You're holding it in aches and pains in your joints. And it's manifesting in your mental health. 
your mind and brain are listening. You can get from point A to point B with multiple different journeys, multiple different paths. Choose the one that's the most positive. Manifest greatness, love, desire, passion, success, and all the things that you want in your life. This is your life to fail forward and learn from. Mm-hmm. And it won't go perfect. It doesn't have to go perfect. That's why the podcast is called Failing Forward. But as long as you're moving forward in the right direction, learning mm-hmm. along the way, that's what our mission is all about. Mm-hmm. And that's what we want 100%. to see for you. 100%. I love it. I love it. That's exactly, exactly it. Uh, oh, I'm getting all right. Do you have but, any closing remarks for the audience? Because I know you and I can talk all day. I, I want to talk about I the know. cancer, which you did. I want to talk about how you got into TV, which you did. You're a single mother of three and you're kicking ass and taking names. I mean, you're, you're just incredible. Is there any last words of I, wisdom that you can give to our audience? I think we've covered so much. It's just, I, I think the closing is really where you, we landed, which is change your thoughts and it changes your destiny. Your thoughts dictate your actions, your actions, or your thoughts dictate your words, your words dictate your actions, your actions dictate your consequences, which ultimately dictate your destiny. And we are in, if we start with the right mental game, the rest can flow from there. And it is not easy. It is not supposed to be easy but choose the magic, choose the, you know, the miracle, choose to know that you're the miracle. And um, yeah, I mean, that's just kind of just my, my, you know, I, we get to wake up, I get to wait. I'm not an infusion suite right now. Like I'm winning. I'm winning. So that is my story. Um, You know, uh, and don't be Miss Judgy Pants. Moms, if you need help, get help, get a nanny, get a sitter, find time for you, take care of you because you can't pour it from an empty cup. You can't. Yeah, and if somebody says that, or you hear yourself saying, oh, but she has, if you hear yourself, you can go ahead and slap your hands. Like, slap, go ahead and give yourself a little slap on the back of the head. Stop, stop, stop. Like, it's okay that you did it, but once you acknowledge it, don't do it anymore. Don't put somebody else down to make yourself feel better. We are all doing our best from our own state of consciousness, and we want other people to be happy. All ships rise in high tide, and when your friends are happy and other moms are happy, they are feeding into their children happiness, and what we want is to look out for the children. So if you can't do it for anything else, do it for that child that is really happy because the mom is happy, and go from there. It is okay that we we have made mistakes, we have said crappy things, and we've been a crappy person. But when we can self-correct and redirect, we make this world a better place and we can be part of the change. So I am, I think I'm done speaking. This is Clubhouse. I'm Barbara Majeska. When we can self-correct, we can redirect. And that's Mm -hmm. how we make positive change. I might take that quote. That was so good. (laughs) When we can (laughs) self-correct, we will self-direct. And that's how we're going to make positive change. That was amazing. Barbara. We are so grateful to have you on the Feeling Forward podcast. Thank you for helping me through my raspy voice. That was hardly here. I was like, do I send her a message to say we need to cancel? No, we're just going to make it happen because I know she can talk. She'll save me. You guys, I've gone through four cups of tea here, throat coat tea, slippery elm, um, boiled grapefruit, honey, all the things. So I apologize for my voice on this episode, but so much love, so much respect for all of you for tuning in and listening through the raspiness. Barbara, thank you so much for pouring into us, for sharing your story, for teaching us how you failed forward. How can we get in touch with you? How can we stay in the know and what you're doing? So you can get in touch with me. I am uh, barbaramajeski.com. Please go to my website, register your email because we are talking about doing a retreat. I think you and I need to do it together. We're going to do a summit together. It's already done. We're going to do a summit and it's going to be all about 
I'm the curator of the good life and you are living the good life and we all are, and we just want to share value bombs. I don't know. So register your email, stay in touch. Um, you can also find me on my podcast, which is bearing it all. And it's all about the grit behind the glamour. And you can definitely find me on clubhouse. So I do run two rooms a week and you can find that on my website, all the fun information. So Beautiful. yeah, it's all Barbara Majeski. Just Google me. How fun. I love that. Check out the show notes. You guys, you'll see her website on there, barbaramajeski.com. You can also stay in touch with her, get into her contact list right there on her email list. She'll send you out when she's doing her clubhouse rooms. She is a mama of all things great, the curator of the good life. Until next time, Barbara, we'll talk to you so soon. Thank you. Thank you. This was great. Thank you. You're welcome.